Welcome to the Focus on Christ podcast. We are Jack and John, and uh, you know, we've been the, the Jack and John podcast for some time. And as we said last time, we've changed that name to Focus on Christ podcast because that's what we're all about. And I always felt bad adding my name first. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was his idea to call no, it the no, Jack it was your and John. Idea. Is it my idea? <laughs> yes. See, you said we'll call it Jack and it's, John because I'm way too humble to, to, to ask to call it my name first, right? <laughs> Maybe this is why we changed the name. No. Um, <laughs> if you guys had the opportunity, uh, you know, they had the live stream for the, the end cap of what, season four for the, the Chosen. And they showed a couple little clips, and one of the clips was Jesus confronting the Pharisees. And uh, it was a powerful scene. It's not been fully edited or anything yet. And they, they've taken the clip down. so I, They didn't want it to go viral. Right, and, you right. Know. So, well, and they want to, you know, make it better. Or yeah, whatever they yeah. Do. So, but that inspired us to look into the scripture a little bit. Yeah. And uh, Jack, uh, well, this morning I got up and uh, instead of going to my normal spot, I went to Matthew twenty three mm-hmm. because of that that live stream and seeing that scene. And Matthew twenty three is where Jesus pronounces the seven woes on uh, the scribes and Pharisees. And man, I mean, he doesn't mince words no, uh, not on at these. All. They call him seven woes because he typically said, woe unto you. And then he would describe a reason why he said, woe unto you. We don't use that phrase very often, but it, it means um, this is going to be a bad deal. <laughs> I, I like how the, the New Living Translation yeah. says it. How does it say? Um, it says, what sorrow awaits what you. What sorrow awaits you. <laughs> Teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. He just was laying it out there. <laughs> oh, I know. You know, and I, I I went through and just wrote down, uh, just in my own words, what he was kind of condemning them for. Um, of course, Jesus has the right to condemn and judge because he is every bit God, every bit man, every bit God. And he saw their hearts and he knew their hearts. And I think the thing that Jesus really had a hard time with, I know I know he has a hard time with sin, but the, the sin of hypocrisy was something that he really spoke strongly against and, and really warned against, not, not to be a hypocrite, not to show yourself to be something when actually you are something else on the inside. And he said that a couple of times in this 23rd chapter. He said, you're like whited sepulchers. Or you're like uh, tombs that are whitewashed. They look pretty when they're all painted up. But if you go inside the tomb, all you'll find is dead men's bones. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's what you're like. Or you have a dish in a bowl and you you clean the outside of the dish, the outside of the bowl, but you don't clean the inside of the bowl. Well, who wants to eat on that dish, that bowl? It's not of any use. And so basically his answer was uh, humble yourself. And you need to think, Jesus said, you need to think more of justice and mercy and faithfulness rather than making sure that you do the letter of the law. But even the doing of the letter of the law to the Pharisees in that chapter 
wasn't just that they were doing the prayers and memorizing the scriptures, but they were dressing themselves up in fine garb. They were going out into the marketplace so that people would say, oh, there's the teacher, there's the rabbi. And they would go into a, a banquet or a dinner and they would want to be seated at the place of honor. And it was all of these kinds of desires of their hearts to be uh, special, to be better than. And Jesus said in one place, you, you go out and you proselyte people, you bring them to your belief, and then you make them just as much a child of hell as you are. Wow, that's pretty strong. And that's because of their hypocrisy, because they were not only missing out on the grace of God themselves, but they were causing others to as well you know, by hindering them and by hurting them and by using their religious position to lead them the wrong direction. If you think about it, it's like an extension of the first sin, you know, because the the lie, the serpent's lie to Eve was that you'll be like God. Mm-hmm. And these guys, the Pharisees, believed that they could be like God of their own righteousness by following these rules as they saw the rules. And part of what Jesus is saying is, you guys have missed the whole point. You missed the whole point. You're so focused on what it is to be clean and avoiding being unclean that you, you, you just missed the importance of being merciful and seeking justice for those who, you know, are victims. And, boy, he just laid it on. There's a, there's a pretty popular belief now from the scripture that you just mentioned, where you shall be like gods, where some of the false teachers of the day are saying that they are God, and we are God, and uh, actually accepting worship and accepting praise from their congregation. You know, and saying that, you know, we, we are God. And uh, just kind of perverting the truth of what the Scripture really means, you know, by that we do become a part of Jesus. We abide in Him. He abides in us. That's the relationship that we have. We are striving to become more and more like Him. You know, I think that's what, what He would have us do, to be like Christ. And... Uh, but certainly, I'm not thinking that I am Christ, that I'm walking around, you know, knowing and being I Him. Think, I think the most important piece of that is the very foundation of it, which is that our righteousness doesn't come no, it's filthy from rags. us. Yeah. Right. Anything good about us doesn't come from us. Yeah. It comes from God. Yeah, He's it's the, the righteousness one. of Christ, the imputing right. of the righteousness of Christ right. unto us. Well, the flip side of this we talked about is, you know, the Pharisees exalted themselves. Um, They did everything to set themselves up in the place of honor and to pretend that they're righteous of their own accord. They didn't need God. They made themselves take the place of God with the righteousness. Even to the place of being instrumental in the death of Christ Oh, yeah. yeah. So you talk about taking the responsibility of their forefathers killing the prophets. 
what Jesus was saying is, you will do the same thing. Right. And that's, uh, yeah, that's they, exactly they were missing. They, they were missing who he was. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump back over to uh, Matthew chapter 5. And uh, I'm just You don't like to stay on that. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Yeah, no, um, it, because this is sort of what Jesus really intends and uh, what the Pharisees didn't want to hear. So we're going to, I'm just going to read this part from the New Living Translation. And this is uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be glad, be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. The, um, I know the King James, the NIV, this is the um, English Standard Version, uh, says in that first verse, blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm -hmm. And uh, th that NL NLV, right? New Living T, NLT, NLT yeah. uh, says just blessed are the poor, which um, throws me off a little bit. What do you think? Uh, two things, two. okay. Because I, I, I think it's it might be Luke. It's one of the other Gospels where it, 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 it reads blessed are the poor, okay. And Matthew, uh, most translations say blessed are the poor in spirit. Right. And they've translated it, blessed are those who are poor and, and realize their need for him. Okay. I think so that, that's the way they're describing the, the broader reality of it is we're all poor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we're all poor. We're all poor. Okay. Elon Musk, what's he going to take with him when he dies? Zero. Well, there's no U-Haul trailers behind Zero. Hershey's. At least I've yeah. never seen one. I remember um, reading about the story when, um, oh, what was it? Was it Herbert? What was that big rich guy way back? Uh, Rockefeller? No, Hughes. Was it oh, Howard, Howard Hughes. Hughes? Sorry. Howard Hughes, when he died, this this reporter. Yeah, this reporter runs up to uh, the executor of the estate and says, "How much did you leave behind?" All of it. Exactly. I <laughs> says all of it. He left all of it behind. What a question. Yeah. So I mean, at the very basic foundation of it all, yeah, we're poor. Yeah. But but I believe what he's getting at here is when you realize that you are bankrupt spiritually. And that you need God. Right. You know, to, to understand right. that, yeah, that you need God, and that we need a Savior. Uh, 
we can't save ourselves. So it's just coming to that humble place of, of realization. Yeah. You can take the best person that you've ever met, the nicest, kindest, sweetest person, and that person doesn't have enough righteousness of their own without God. No, to they're kill spiritually, a <laughs> Yeah, they're spiritually bankrupt. Uh, we all fall in that same boat. So you were saying that these kind of have a progression to them if right. you kind of look at them in a certain way, right? Well, think about it this way. Um, if you recognize that you're spiritually bankrupt, that's humbling, okay? Mm -hmm. And so it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. The very next one is... Uh, well, at first it makes you sad. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you realize the second one is blessed are you that mourn, mourn right? Um, so blessed are you that mourn, and then uh, yeah, it's like to be broken, right? You know, it's like to see who you are and what you are, you know, what you don't have, right? Um, yeah, that could bring you to a, a real place of mourning. When you think about it, that's what mourning is: it's having a loss, right? You know, why do you mourn? Well, because you lost a loved one. You know, or you, you lost something, which really brings kind of a state of mourning, uh, well, and sadness. I think, and I think spiritually it is a loss, but it's it's more of a realization that you didn't have it to begin yeah. with. You know, yeah. um, it's a realization that what you thought you had, you thought that you were a good person maybe. And then you realize, no, I'm spiritually bankrupt. I'm without Jesus. So you mourn. And then when you mourn, that brings you to a place of humility. Okay? And then when you're humble, what does that do to your attitude toward other people? Um, you're not as haughty about it. About it. Yeah, the meek. Yeah, you well, you, you first you begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness because you're starving for it. I'm 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 spiritually bankrupt. I'm, my my cabinets are empty, my refrigerator's empty. I got I got nothing without Jesus. So I'm wanting that. So you hunger and thirst for righteousness, um, and when you become satisfied in Christ then you can start to realize that, you know what, there's other people that were just as spiritually bankrupt as I am. And now have needs as well. Right. And that, to me, is where it says God blesses those who are merciful. Um, and then when you show mercy to others, to me, that's, that's like a reminder of uh, your humility and it also sort of closes that circle because now you're extending that mercy to other people, and that, that acts like a cleansing. Well, one of the things that Jesus said several times to the Pharisees was um, when they were, came to him and kind of accused him of messing up the Sabbath day or whatever they were going to accuse oh. him from, he would always say, you need to go find out what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Right. And what he was talking about was the sacrifices of the Jewish law, the Jewish system, uh, was a very, very big bondage to, to them. Because think about how many times you had to bring an animal to be sacrificed and just the, the 
tedium of every day having to have your sins rolled back by bringing a sacrifice. And, um, you know, them trying to say that that made you holy. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews, you know, that the, the blood of lambs and goats did not take away sin. And so we needed the Savior to shed his blood. Now his blood cleanses and purifies us from sin. And the only way that we get that, according to the scriptures, is grace and mercy. So you got to find out about mercy, not that it's you bringing yourself or you bringing really anything. It's really just you repenting, humbling yourself, submitting yourself to the love of God, to the mercy of God. And when you receive mercy, then you should show mercy. That That's kind of a, you know, a no-brainer, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. But so many people and so many of us often don't do that. We need to remember that we were shown mercy and we should always be quick to show mercy to others. You know, we've talked about this before and... Um, I'm trying to show more mercy, you know, when I'm driving. And uh, that's not getting any better, John. No, I do think I get a little better. better. Yeah, I don't. I part of it is leave on time or leave early so that you're not trying to get in front of everybody, you know, let off the gas. you You know, I don't know if the saying. You get older and you get wiser, or you get older and you get slower. Oh, well. It's true. But I notice I'm driving slower. Maybe it's because I don't have anywhere to be you know, specific. I think part of it is because you realize being in a hurry, and it really. it, it's, it's not important. Generally, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what's so important that you got to risk somebody else's life by cutting in front of them or zipping past them or passing them on the right or... You know, what, what's so important, you know? Am I that important that I can't let that other person in in traffic, you know? And those sound like little things, but you know what? I think those are big things, you know? Maybe they're um, revealing things. Yeah. And, you know, the disciples dealt with some of that. You know, it, it's not the same kind of thing because when, when it's foot traffic, you're not going that fast, okay? So, but you remember the story of Bartimaeus, and he's the blind guy that's hollering for Jesus. He said, son of David, have mercy, you know. And the disciples are trying to quiet him up because, well, Jesus is busy, you know. He's on his way to Jerusalem. I mean, it's it's coming up on the time when he's going to be turned over. Oh, he's entering into Jerusalem. Yes, you know, and uh, it, it's the one time that I can think of in Scripture where Jesus isn't paying attention to this guy. He's, he's walked past him. and it's I can understand it being preoccupied, but here the disciples are trying to brush the poor guy off. And when Jesus realizes what's going on, he's like, you know, what's going on? And the blind guy says, have mercy on us, and he heals him. Yep. And... Uh, but yeah, sometimes we're still like the disciples. It's like, no, nah, he didn't have time for you. He's too busy. Jesus is busy. I'm busy. Don't bother me. Um, and I, I think 
we just have to carve out time for other people. And that's not always easy, but it might just start with planning to go wherever you're going a little early so that maybe on your journey you do have time to stop and help that person or just not be in such a hurry that you get to thinking, oh, my time's more important than this guy's time. Now, here's the thing. When you're a doctor and you're talking about time, that's a little dangerous because um, doctors are notorious for running late. And I have an appointment tomorrow, by the do way. Do you? Okay. I will, I will try my best <laughs> to be on time. No, but before I even went into medical school, um, I decided that if I was ever a doctor, I was never going to use someone else's time to get caught up. Um, and so what I mean by that is if one patient is just more complicated and takes longer and maybe they have more problems or whatever, and I get 10 minutes behind and then a couple patients later, somebody else, same kind of thing. Now I'm 20 minutes behind. Um, well, I might just get a little bit behind and it's not intentional and it's not because that next person's time isn't important, but it's because I'm not going to cheat the other guy out of his time. No, you're showing him mercy. Right. It's part of what you do. Yeah. So, and then I ask for mercy in return because I don't like getting behind and making people wait. And I actually do fairly decent at that. Um, I, I had one patient who, uh, this was just a few months ago. And honestly, I've been in my practice in Trafalgar for four years now. And this happened to be the day that I ran the most behind that I've been in probably six years. I got a full hour behind. Yeah. Now, it wasn't all day like that, but towards the end of the day, you know, and I've got this fella, he's 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 a big, important guy. And um, I think God was sort of maybe testing him a little bit uh, because he was getting a little antsy and fussy out in the waiting room and, you know, saying some stuff <laughs> to my staff. Oops. And then he gets back. Of course, he's 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 okay with me in the room. You know, you don't bite the doctor's hand because you want him oh, nice. to take care of you. Yeah. Um, but I explained the whole deal about my philosophy on time and being late and and not wanting to trample over somebody else's time because the next guy thinks he's more important or whatever. <laughs> It, but, you know, Jesus had a way of finding time for everybody. And you, you mentioned a pastor that said Jesus wasn't very efficient. Yeah. And uh, I can't disagree that the guy was kind of right because he had time for everybody. He always found a way, you know, even the, the woman that didn't want to interrupt him. I'm just going to touch the hem of his garment. I'm just going to touch the hem of his garment. Of course, he... See, that's because he was close to people. But oh, yeah. look at the feeding of the 5,000. He said, break them down in groups of 50 and groups of 100 and groups oh, of yeah, 150 okay. and put them over here. And then you 12 come here and get the food and then we'll come. So Pretty he, efficient. Yeah, he knew how to be efficient. <laughs> this is true. 
This is true. Well, you could say he was pretty efficient, you know, in creation. That's yeah. pretty efficient. That's pretty efficient. He was pretty efficient going to the cross. Ah. Uh, Took care of all the... That's true. You One act takes care of all the sins of the yeah, whole world. Think about it. That's efficient. That's very efficient. <laughs> you know? One death for all. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, uh, I, what's our takeaway here with all this, Jack? God is good, and um, we should strive to be like Him. And when we are most like Him, is when we will become the most humble and the most gentle and um, more concerned about people and others than ourselves, even to the place that we will stop for a moment, even if it takes a little time, or changes our schedule to give someone else a little bit of time that might be a blessing to their life. So that's my yeah, my thinking. Yeah, I'm part of the whole thing with focusing on Christ is realizing that we shouldn't be focused on ourselves, you know, because we are poor in spirit and uh, bankrupt in spirit and need Him. So, of course, well, you probably heard this before, and I'm, but every once in a while, someone will call and say, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I missed church yesterday. My grandmother called, and I knew she was going to say the same old thing she always did, but I still I went over to see her, and I said." did the exact oh, right yeah. thing. Yeah. That's Absolutely. my opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that goes to the the whole story with the Good Samaritan. You know, the priest and the Levite. And then it's the Samaritan that stops. Why, did the, why didn't the priest stop? Well, he didn't want to be ceremoniously unclean because yeah, he touched the guy. You know, and the other guy's got his duties he's got to go do, and he doesn't want to give that up. You know, I'm on my way to church. I don't have time to help that guy change his tire, you know. But no. So it's the Samaritan. Yep. And it's time to help. Yeah. Anyway. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, our prayer as always is that uh, something that we say um, helps you get your mind a little bit off yourself and focus on Jesus. Yeah.